This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 180. So being this is Sunday, August 29th, 2021, as usual, I'm doing the news and rumors roundup from the big four rumor sites of Canon Rumors, Nikon Rumors, Fuji Rumors, and Sony Alpha Rumors. But before I get into that, I wanted to take just a moment here and thank all of you my listeners. So I was looking through my podcast stats, and here is the current breakdown. The largest share of my listeners are in the United States, North America, of course. That's where the show is based, so that's not unusual. Number two for the most listeners is India, followed by France, Germany, Australia, Canada, Belgium, Singapore, and the Czech Republic. Now, those are the top countries that listen to this show every week. And I want to thank each and every one of you. Now, to be honest, it does go back and forth. On some episodes, the United States has the most listeners, but I've had a lot of episodes where the larger share of my listeners were in European countries. So I want to thank all of the kind folks in Europe, Asia, and anywhere else in the world that listens to this show. I truly appreciate it, and I appreciate you supporting this podcast. You guys all make this worthwhile, and I thank each and every one of you. And I highly encourage you, if you haven't already, join the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. I would love to hear from you guys. You guys are my audience. I would love to hear from you. Comments, suggestions, topics that you'd like to hear me cover, guests that you would like to have me try to get on the show. I haven't had a guest on for a little while now, and I'm long overdue for it, but I've been having trouble connecting with someone that has the time to come on the show. Now, I am planning to do another episode with Dave Kelly and Ellie Cat. Uh, right now, that's on a little bit of a hold. Uh, Dave is available, but Ellie is actually overseas filming a movie right now, so she's not available. And I hope she has a safe trip, and I hope she has a great time making this latest film and that it's extremely successful. I'm so proud of Ellie. She is such a wonderful person. Super smart, super talented, very beautiful lady. And she has a wonderful partner who supports her in everything that she does. Dan is a fantastic guy. I've never met either Ellie nor Dan personally, but they're great people. And I have had both of them on the show together. So a shout out to my friends, Ellie and Dan. Hope you have safe travels and that the filming is extremely successful and the film is successful. <laughs> All right. So without further ado, we're going to head on over to Canon Rumors and see what they have for us this week. Let's do this. First up is September 14th, the day we finally get the official Canon EOS R3 announcement. I reported back in July that we would finally see the Canon EOS R3 officially announced in September of 2021. 
after a false alarm of a June announcement. There are now a few things lining up that seem to point to an announcement on or around September 14th, 2021. I haven't yet confirmed this date, but it's becoming apparent that we don't have long to wait to finally see the EOS R3 in all of its glorious beauty. Canon EOS R3 specifications, in case you don't remember, I have talked about them in previous episodes, but this is just a refresher. 24 megapixel backside illuminated image sensor, multi-controller and smart controller, very angled touchscreen, a brand new accessory shoe, 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi, high-speed 30 frames per second electronic shutter with AF and AE tracking, plus raw shooting at 30, uh, 30 frames per second. Autofocus down to minus 7 EV. Eight stops of coordinated control IS with optical IS and the in-body image stabilization, or IBIS. 4K Canon Log 3. Oversampling 4K. Internal raw video. Inclusion of cars and motorbikes and AF tracking technology. Raw internal movie recording. Speed light shooting with electronic shutter. The same weather sealing as the EOS 1D series. The LPE19 battery from the 1DX series. And dual card slots of SD and CF Express. Now, as I've mentioned before, I think it was foolish for Canon to go with SD and CF Express. They should have made both the slots CF Express, or better, they should have done like Sony has done and made them dual purpose slots, where you had dual slots that would take either two SD cards or two CF Express cards. That would have been phenomenal. I would have loved to see Canon jump on that bandwagon. But like I said before, Canon never listens to me. I may shoot with their cameras and their lenses, but they never take my advice. <laughs> they don't reach out to me for any suggestions. I'm not famous enough. Next up, shedding some light on CF Express firmware and camera compatibility. Yesterday, I reported on compatibility issues with the Canon EOS R5 running firmware 1.4.0 and Xcend CF Express memory cards. After talking to a few people, I have come to somewhat of a conclusion that there will likely be some bumps along the way when it comes to CF Express firmware and camera firmware. Xcend is not the first company that has had some compatibility issues with the Canon EOS R5 and CF Express cards. I spoke with Tig from Camonostic this morning about the issue that have come up with CF Express and compatibilities. Be sure to check that site out for great information on CF Express cards and more, especially to find out which ones will work properly with your R5. What it appears to boil down to is that CF Express is a relatively new standard and there are going to be some conflicts with memory card manufacturers and camera manufacturers interpretation of that standard. I know of issues that have arisen with other manufacturers as well. Angelbird, a great manufacturer of CF Express cards, had an issue with the R5 a while ago that delayed the camera four seconds on startup before the card would initialize. This issue was corrected by a firmware update tool from Angelbird that anyone could download and use. It's my understanding that Angelbird built in the ability for this type of update in their firmware. 
Angelbird and Cannon have also worked together to get the issue corrected as Angelbird released their memory cards prior to the availability of the EOS R5. So that makes sense that they would have a compatibility issue because Angelbird had their cards on the market before the R5 was released. So they had no way to test their firmware with the R5 beforehand. They had to fix it after the fact, and they were great about getting right on top of that. Now, this is my opinion. This isn't from Canon Rumors. Okay, Delkin had an issue as well, but users had to send their memory card back to them to get the needed update for compatibility. Xascend and the issue that I reported yesterday, I've been told that Canon and Xascend implemented the CF Express standard a bit differently when it came to VPG 400 causing the issue. Quote, we started investigating reports that Canon's latest firmware for the EOS R5 may cause issues with our essential series of CF Express cards last week. Our engineering team quickly discovered that the R5's 1.4.0 firmware changes the way CF Express cards are treated by the camera system. With the latest R5 firmware, our essential CF Express cards enter a different operating mode than in previous versions of Canon's firmware. This causes a compatibility issue based on different interpretations of the VPG 400 uh, specification and is unrelated to card performance. To support this new operating mode, a CF Express card firmware upgrade is required. As of earlier this week, we have already made the necessary changes to support Canon R5 with firmware update 1.4.0 and above in our latest CF Express firmware, meaning that all our new CF Express cards are now compatible with the new 1.4.0 firmware. However, due to the way that CF Express card firmware upgrades work, we need to manually update the firmware for the R5 users with Xcend Essential CF Express cards purchased before we started pushing this upgrade to the new cards. So how is Xcend fixing this issue for customers? Product quality and customer satisfaction are the cornerstone of our business. Therefore, we will send brand new replacement CF Express cards upgraded to the latest firmware to any user with a valid proof of purchase. This ensures that our customers can continue using their R5 system with Xcend storage as soon as possible. We also do not want customers' original cards to go to waste. So customers can also send their original card to us for a free firmware upgrade. To clarify, that means that customers who return their original cards to us will soon have an extra XN CF Express card to spare in addition to their new replacement card. So again, let me cover this. If you bought one of their cards with the older firmware and it does not work with your R5, you can contact Xcend. They will send you a brand new card at no charge to you with the newer firmware. Once you receive the new card, you can then send your current card that has the old firmware into them. They will upgrade it and send it back to you. So you basically get two cards for the price of one. Now, I'm not exaggerating. That's exactly what it says in this article quoted directly from the company. Quote, we want to apologize again to all our card users who were impacted by issues with the Canon R5 firmware update 
And going forward, we will work more closely with camera vendors to ensure future card compatibility. Yes, you heard that right. Extend will give you two equal cards for your troubles. A new card is shipped out ASAP so you can get back to shooting. You will then send in your incompatible card to Extend and they will update the firmware on that card and give it back to you. This level of customer service is above and beyond great in my opinion. I added the above and beyond to that comment. <laughs> Just so you know. Now to Canon. I learned about this issue on the Canon Rumors Discord from an R5 user that updated the firmware 1.4.0 and hit this snag. Thankfully, he didn't have an important shoot to do that day as this could have cost him more money to get a new card or he would have had to ride with SD cards, which isn't ideal in some situations. Why can't we roll back firmware one version when these issues come up? Is there a technical reason? Is there a belief that everyone should be running the latest firmware? This honestly wouldn't, wouldn't be the case as lots of people will stick with firmware that works for them. There are always going to be bumps in the road when it comes to new standards and products. Companies are racing to meet deadlines and get their products to market. This is just the nature of many technology businesses. Thanks again to Accent for clarifying things for me. And I apologize for jumping to an ignorant conclusion in my previous article. And again, this is from Canon Rumors, not from me. <laughs> Next up, there are compatibility issues with the Accenti of Express cards and EOS R5 firmware. I'm not going to cover all of this detail again, but basically, and there's images included that you can see in the show notes. Without this new firmware from Xsend, you'd put the card in, you'd boot your camera up, and it would give you errors. And it would say the, the card cannot be accessed, reinsert or exchange the card, or format with the camera. But then you'd format, and the card still wouldn't work. So, like I said in the previous article a moment ago, it has been corrected by the manufacturer, and you could actually get two cards for the price of one. So, everybody's happy. Next up, Sigma will announce two new contemporary prime lenses soon. The quarter four announcement spree from manufacturers looks to be ramping up as Sigma will announce two new contemporary prime lenses soon. Sigma will announce the following lenses, a 24mm f2 DGDN contemporary and a 90mm f2.8 DGDN contemporary. Both of these lenses are for full-frame mirrorless applications, which likely means they're for the Sony E-mount and Sigma, Leica, and Panasonic's L-mount from the L-mount alliance. I do not expect these two lenses to be Sigma's first foray into RF mount, which I wish was happening soon. And I have to agree with the owner of Canon Rumors. I wish Sigma would get on the stick and start offering RF mount lenses because Sigma makes some really fantastic lenses, as does Tamron. I just wish they would both get their keisters in gear and start cranking out them great lenses for us. <laughs> and last up from Canon Rumors, Canon's accessory shoe coming to the EOS R5C and could be an upgrade option for existing R5 owners. Canon has introduced what it calls an accessory shoe for the Canon EOS R3 and the recently announced Canon XF605 professional camcorder. 
Yesterday, TEAC announced their first third-party accessory for the new accessory shoe, which will add XLR microphone compatibilities to the EOS R3 and XF605. But this is just the beginning of what we'll see uh, for the accessory shoe in the coming months and years. I've been told that the Canon EOS R5C will also receive this accessory shoe, which makes a lot of sense. I've also been told that Canon may offer the accessory shoe as a paid upgrade for the R5. Although the source did not say and did say nothing was guaranteed, but Canon is actively talking about it. Now, I do apologize because this is a slightly older article and I did talk about it, I think, in last week's episode. But I wanted to kind of keep the accessory shoe in everybody's minds because this is something really cool that Canon has come out with. So basically, on the R R3 and the R5C, the accessory, I believe, is built into the current hot shoe, and it allows you to power microphones and other devices directly through the hot shoe port. So they could actually tap into the camera's power to power these external devices, which would be really cool. Now, granted, it could run your battery down a little bit faster on your R5 or R5C or EOS R3, which with the R3, you don't have to worry about it. You got the massive LP19 battery. I mean, this thing's huge. <laughs> but if you're using a battery grip and dual batteries like I do in my R6, then you're probably going to be fine. But I just think it is a really cool item that Canon has come out with. Now, if they do offer this as an upgrade, a paid upgrade on the R5, I hope they offer it to those of us that have the R6 as well. If it's reasonably priced, I will certainly jump on that. All right, that's it for Canon Rumors, and now we head on over to Nikon Rumors. First up from Nikon Rumors, Venus Optics released more Lawa lenses for the Nikon Z-mount. Today, Venus Optics released several new Lawa lenses for the Nikon Z-mount that were previously reported in this accompanying article, and of course you can find all this in the show notes. The Lawa 4mm f2.8 fisheye for APS-C, the Lawa 9mm f2.80D for APS-C, the Lawa 24mm f14 2x macro probe for full frame, the Lawa 9mm T2.90D cinema lens for APS-C, and the Lawa 15mm T2.10D cinema lens for full frame. The most interesting lens is definitely the Lawa 24mm f14 2x macro and you can see previous coverage on that lens here. Lawa, uh, this is a really cool lens because it's basically, oh my God, it's, it's a weird looking lens, but from what I've seen, you can get some really amazing photographs with it. Um, it basically almost looks like a long rod that mounts to the front of your camera, but you can get some amazing photos with this. I've seen sample images as well as video uh, where someone is using this lens, and it's just really cool. Now, Lawa lenses are also sold at Adorama and B&H, but the new lenses are not listed on their sites as of yet. The official Venus Optics online store ships internationally. Additional information on each of the new Z-mount lenses, the Lawa 4mm f2.8 fisheye, Featuring a one-of-a-kind 210-degree field of view, the Lawa 4mm f2.8 fisheye lens can create a circular fisheye perspective on micro four-thirds and APS-C cameras. 
The lens weighs only 4.8 ounces or 135 grams, which makes it extremely portable and allows photographers to have creative shots in various shooting settings such as selfies, vlogs, skateboard shooting, 360 panorama, VR imaging, virtual tours, or even flying with drones. The Lawa 9mm f2.80D. This lens provides an ultra-wide angle coverage up to 113 degree angle of view. The f2.8 maximum aperture is well suited to working in low and difficult lighting conditions. Also, two aspherical elements plus three extra low dispersion elements successfully correct chromatic aberration, realize close to zero distortion, and deliver excellent corner-to-corner -corner sharpness. The tiny size of 60 by 53 millimeters and lightweight of 215 grams encourages the photographer and videographer to use it every day as it is a perfect match for gimbal and drone. The Lawa 24mm F14 2x Macro Probe. This is the world's first consumer grade probe lens which focuses from 2 to 1 macro to infinity and with a compelling wide angle bug eye perspective. The front barrel of the lens is waterproof and an LED ring light is mounted at the tip of the lens which makes the lens capable for shooting in wet or dusty environments or with fine powders, create with no limits. The Lawa 9mm T2.9 Cinema Lens provides an ultra-wide angle coverage up to 113 degree angle of view. The tiny size and lightweight match perfectly with mirrorless cameras and are suitable for use with gimbals. The new cinema version comes with the standard 0.8 mod gears on both aperture and focus rings. A standard 55mm filter thread is designed to mount screw-in filters easily. Two spherical elements plus three extra low dispersion elements successfully correct chromatic aberration, realize close to zero distortion, and deliver excellent corner-to-corner -corner sharpness. The Lawa 15mm T2.1 Cinema Lens provides an ultra-wide angle coverage up to 110 degree angle of view on a full-frame camera. It is currently the widest T2.1 lens in the market covering large format sensors. The large T2.1 aperture also makes it extremely useful to shoot in low-light situations. The tiny size and lightweight make it a perfect companion with gimbals and running gun shooting. The new cinema version comes with a standard 0.8 mod gears on both aperture and focus rings. A standard 77mm filter thread is designed to mount screw-in filters easily. The lens also features a superb optical distortion control with all straight lines retained. And there are some pictures here of these new lenses. They look absolutely beautiful. And as you know, I've used Lawa lenses before and they do make very, very good lenses. So do not be afraid to check them out for yourself. Next up, Nikon Coolpix B600 discontinued. Several other accessories temporarily suspended. Nikon Japan has officially discontinued the Coolpix B600 compact camera and temporarily suspended orders for the following products. The AC adapter EH-5D, Wireless Remote Speedlight SBR200, the Nikon Close-Up Speedlight Commander Kit R1C1, 
and the wireless Speedlight Commander SU-800. So there are some things that are suspended for the time being and the Coolpix B600 goes the way of the dinosaur. Next up from Nikon Rumors, Godox V860 Mark III Flash for Nikon is officially released. The Godox Ving V863 Flash for Nikon cameras is now officially released and available for pre-order at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Amazon UK, Amazon Denmark, and Pergear with international shipping. Additional information on the new Godox Ving V863 Flash can be found at the accompanying link. And there are some photos here of this speedlight. Um, and this article is via Photo Rumors. And with that, I'm going to take a quick break and I will be right back with you. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com, and you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag liamphotopodcast. And now, back to the show. And we're back. Next up, finally, Nikon D850 is now in stock in the U.S., Canada, and Germany. I know a lot of people have been waiting for this camera. It's a very, very popular and very capable DSLR. The Nikkor 500mm f5.6 is also in stock. They've been out of stock in the U.S. for several months now, and as I already reported earlier, the camera is finally in stock at Pulse Photo, which is an authorized Nikon dealer. B&H Photo has an open-box Nikon D850 camera that is $300 off. Amazon has only stock from third parties, gray market resellers, and refurbished Nikon D850 cameras. The Nikon D850 is also in stock at Calumet, Germany, and Camera Canada. The Nikon AF-S Nikkor 500mm f5.6 EPF-EDVR Alphabet Soup Lens is also in stock at Adorama, Paul's Photo, and B&H. So if you've been looking to get that lens or get yourself a D850, now's the time to pull the trigger before they're gone again. Next up from Nikon, Nikon D6 firmware update version 1.32 released. Nikon has released this new firmware for the D6 DSLR camera with a single fix. It fixed an issue that in very rare instances resulted in the shutter not being released when the shutter release button was pressed during consecutive shots of a portrait subject. You can download the firmware at the accompanying link in the show notes. And you can buy the Nikon D6 camera, which is in stock at Adorama, Amazon, Wex, Park Camera, Calumet, and Camera Canada. So there you go, some new firmware for the D6. And last up from Nikon Rumors for this week, TT Artisan is now offering free stickers for their silver APS-C Z-mount lenses 
to match the Nikon ZFC colors. They're offering these three stickers uh, for the 17mm f1.4, the 35mm f1.4, and the 50mm f1.2 APS-C manual focus mirrorless lenses for the Z-mount so you can match the different Nikon ZFC camera color schemes. Just mention it when you order your lens from their online store. Update, the sticker is available only for the TT Artisan 35mm f1.4 lens. So I guess uh, the earlier statement was a misstatement. I apologize. I'm just reading the articles as I get them. The new silver TT Artisan APS-C lenses for Nikon Z-mount can also be purchased at, the stickers are exclusive to the TT Artisan online store, you can buy the lenses at their store. Per Gear has the 17, 35, and 50. Amazon US has the 35 and 50 millimeter, as does Amazon UK and Canada, B&H Photo, eBay, and AliExpress. The Viltrox and Per Gear online stores ship internationally, internationally free shipping for most countries. And there are some additional color-coded photos there that you can check out for yourself in the show notes. It's definitely interesting. And it would be kind of cool to have a lens that's color coordinated to your camera. That would be pretty cool. And something other than black. I know there's a lot of black lenses and most all cameras are black, but hey, a little splash of color in your life never hurts. First up from Fuji Rumors, Fujifilm X Summit, which product are you looking forward to the most? So the Fujifilm X Summit will take place on September 2nd at 9 a.m. New York time. Fuji Rumors has already leaked a list of gear to be announced, and unless there are surprises, that should be it. Out of curiosity, I wanted to ask which product you were looking forward to the most. To know all the rumors about each of the products listed below, make sure to check out our rumors section. We have the Fujifilm GFX 50S Mark II, the Fujinon GF35-70 F45-56, the Fujifilm X-T30 Mark II, the Fujinon XF23mm F1.4 Mark II, and the Fujinon XF33mm F1.4. For me personally, I'm the most excited about that Fujinon GF35-70. I want that lens badly. Very badly. <laughs> and that's because, like I've said before, I don't have any zoom lenses as of yet for the GFX mount. And it would be nice to have a 35-70. to 70. That would be a great lens. Now, the rumor is, if you buy it as a kit with the GFX 50S Mark II, you can get the lens for an additional $500. I'm hoping that Fuji will be nice and extend that to other GFX owners as well. I tried reaching out to my contact at Fuji, but I haven't heard back from him lately. This is me, Liam, talking to you right now, not talking about Fuji rumors. Uh, but my source hasn't gotten back to me, so I guess we'll have to wait and see. Next up, Capture 121, new tool called Live. Capture One Live Beta is now available for all people on the Capture One 14.3.1. The new, quote, Live tool allows you to share your images in real time with others who can then view and rate them directly in their web browser. I wish I'd have had this feature when I was editing the recent wedding I photographed for a friend. It would have been cool to send to the couple the link with all my images so they could take a look and mark their favorites 
so I'd go on and edit those first. Down below is a video on how it works, and you can access also the dedicated Capture One Live page at this link. Reminder, Capture One Pro 22 will bring HDR merging and panorama stitching, and you can read more about that in the accompanying article, and you can find all of this, as usual, in the show notes. Next up, take note, September 2nd schedule, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, X-Summit live stream, 10 a.m. announcement live blog with Fuji Guys after launch party. Take your calendar and take notes as here is your schedule for September 2nd. First and foremost, open FujiRumors.com and just refresh it. Everything that happens will be covered, collected, summarized, and filtered for you all on this site. And now to the schedule. 9 a.m. New York time, Fujinon X Summit live stream begins. 10 a.m. New York time, announcement live blog with first look review, samples, news, coverage. 10.15 a.m. New York time, Fuji Guys X Summit after event. The video will be included in the Fuji Rumors live blog coverage starting at 10 a.m. From 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., nonstop live coverage in the live blog. 1 p.m. to 1.30, I need to bring out my almost 17-year-old dog, so there will be a 30-minute break. 1.30 until whatever it takes, the live blogging continues until I crash. So take note, add it to the calendar, and see you soon for a wonderful Fujifilm day on September 2nd here on the Fuji Rumors site. And I'm going to try to make it to the Fuji X Summit on Fuji Rumors. I haven't watched one yet live, and I think it's time I do that, especially since I have a GFX. Next up, breaking, Fujifilm X-T30 Mark II has no IBIS and is, quote, more or less an X-T30 on firmware steroids. We already told you that Fujifilm will launch the Fujifilm X-T30 Mark II. Now sources have reached out to us and told us that it will be more or less a Fujifilm X-T30 on firmware steroids. Another source, thank you, told me that it won't have IBIS, which is one of the features many thought would be added on the X-T30 Mark II. End of rumor. And now, dear X-T30 owners, be kind to Fujifilm in the comments if you want to get Kaizen love. P.S. Yep. I once told you the XE4 will be the last X-Trans 4 camera. Now we have this one. But now you also get it why the XE4 is really the last X-Trans 4 camera, as this one is an X-T30 with new firmware, but don't worry, I'll move it into my wrong rumors list anyways. <laughs> uh, all right, so that is an interesting bit of news and a little bit disappointing since it won't have IBIS. Next up, Fujifilm X-H2 coming with new X-Trans sensor, my thoughts, and your vote. Thanks to our sources, we know it. The Fujifilm X-H2 will feature a new X-Trans sensor. What we also know is that Fujifilm X-H2 will be Fujifilm's first camera to feature this new sensor and processor. The Fujifilm X-H2 is coming in 2022. The Fujifilm X-H2 will shoot 8K DCI UHD. The X-H2 will cost less than $2,500, and the X-H2 will be the first series camera to use the new sensor and processor combo. 
So here is quickly what I think about it. Now, both color filter arrays have their strengths and weaknesses. We have written about it more in detail here. In short, we could sum it up like this. Bare array, better for more features. X-trans array, better for image quality. Again, this is a brutal simplification. If you want to understand it better, definitely read this accompanying article. Now for my thoughts, and this is the owner of Fuji, Film, or Fuji Rumors. I have mixed feelings. I mean, I am totally happy that Fujifilm sticks with the X-Trans sensor. A little dynamic range boost, a bit more sharpness, less noir, more film-like grain, and less color noise at high ISO, and so forth. If we look only at image quality, then the APS-C X-Trans is the way to go. However, it is also true that the X-Trans strengths are not as easy to market as the bear strengths. For example, a bear sensor costs less money, so you could make the Fujifilm X-H2 even more affordable than it already is for an 8K camera. You'd lose in terms of image output, but will customers really dig that deep into the details of the X-Trans sensor to value its strengths? I doubt it. Pixel shift is another great example. It's a feature that has very limited practical use. If anything, and your frame moves minimally or even just the light changes during a multiple exposure, you'll get motion blur and or artifacts in your image. And yet it is such a nice feature to put on paper and to brag about even if 99.99% of people won't ever find a practical use for it. But from a mere marketing point of view, a camera with pixel shift is just easier to market. I mean, what is more eye-catching to hear from most customers? Ooh, look, your new camera can shoot at 200 megapixels. Or look, your camera has a higher color fidelity at high ISO. Pixel shift sounds more exciting on paper than a feature where you ask people to pixel peep and compare performances. So here is the thing. If Fujifilm won't figure out how to make certain features work on X-Trans, Pixel Shift, Raw Video, etc., and to work around the limitations given by the 20 to 30% more power-hungry X-Trans sensor and more complex color filter array, then they will face the same old problem. They have a best APS-C image quality, but people won't really understand that and just look for headline-grabbing features on other cameras. This is why I have mixed feelings. And yet, at the end, in the choice between features and image quality, Fujifilm went for image quality, and I'm very happy about it. According to a new survey we launched here, most of you applaud this decision as well. But if the market will also reward this choice, that remains to be seen. We will find out in 2022. And the vote, the poll that you can vote in with this article, I hope the Fujifilm X-H2 will have A, an X-Trans sensor, B, a bear sensor, C, I don't know, D, both options are fine for me. And you can vote in that poll and see your results along with everybody else's after you submit your vote. And the last up from Fuji Rumors, exclusive Fujifilm X-H2 with the X-Trans or Bear 
The answer now on Fuji Rumors. Who said the XH line is dead? Well, certainly not Fuji Rumors, who warned you from all the fake XH line is dead rumors already. I warned you about this back in 2018. The Fujifilm X-H line is not dead at all. In fact, the Fujifilm X-H2 will come and Fuji Rumors has already shared a few rumors about it. But one question I've often received remains unanswered until today. Will the Fujifilm X-H2 have an X-Trans sensor or a bare sensor? I know this is such a divisive topic in the Fujifilm community that no matter which choice Fujifilm makes, some people will be inevitably disappointed, whereas others will be extremely happy. And I get it, as both color filter arrays have their strengths and weaknesses. But now it's time for you to know. The Fujifilm X-H2 will feature a brand new X-Trans sensor. Hold on tight, guys, as more rumors will come about the Fujifilm X-H2. But... Don't get too distracted by the X-H2 as on September 2nd, 9 a.m. New York time, there will be a huge Fujifilm announcement. And we will cover it all live here on FujiRumors.com. And now, as usual, to wrap up this week's episode, we're going to head on over to Sony Alpha Rumors. First up, Sony A1 finally back in stock at B&H photo. The Sony Alpha 1 mirrorless digital camera body only is $6,498. The worldwide chip shortage is creating some production delays, but finally a couple of A1 cameras are back in stock at B&H Photo. And by the way, here is the Sony A1 tested with Luminar Bokeh AI. Reminder, $10 off on Luminar AI using our code SAR. And there is an official YouTube video there where you can check all of this out for yourselves. It does look interesting. Next up, Sigma 150-600 FE Tech Talk at B&H Photo. The Sigma 150-600 F5-63 DGDN OS Sports Lens for the Sony E-Mount will be available soon for $1,499. Expect availability this coming week, the end of August. You can pre-order now at B&H Photo, Amazon, Adorama, Focus Camera, and in the European Union at Park UK. And there is an official B&H Tech Talk YouTube video to accompany this article that you can check out for yourself. All right, next up, Sigma 150-600 FE now in stock for the first time, and you can buy the official t-shirt for this lens as well. The lens is finally in stock for the first time via B&H Photo, Amazon, Adorama, Focus Camera in the EU at Park UK. And on Sigma's Japanese online store, you can buy the t-shirt of this lens too. And it has a breakdown of the lens elements as well as the information about the lens at the top. Sigma 150-600, to F5-63, DGDNOS, and an exploded view of the glass elements. Next up, Christopher Frost, Sigma 200 to 500 millimeter f2.8 EXDG green giant lens review with samples. 
Christopher Frost tested the Sigma 200 to 500 f 2.8 lens listed here at B&H Photo. And you can check out his official YouTube video, which is in the link. And you'll find that here in the show notes. Next up, rumored Sigma 90mm f 2.8 specs. Nokashido leaked the specs of the 90mm f 2.8 L-mount lens. The FE version will basically have the same specs. Quote, 90mm f 2.8 DGDN contemporary, 11 elements in 10 groups, 9 diaphragm blades for circular bokeh, Minimum shooting distance is 0.5 meters. Maximum shooting magnification, 1 to 5. Filter diameter, 55 millimeters. Size is 64 by 59.7 millimeters. Weight is 295 grams. Suggested retail price in Japan, the same as the 35 millimeter F2. Sigma will also announce a new 24 millimeter F2 DGDN contemporary lens as well. So a bunch of new stuff coming from Sigma. Next up, reminder, new Tamron 18 to 300 millimeter E pre-orders are open. Starting from today, you can pre-order the new Tamron 18 to 300 millimeter E lens in the USA at B&H Photo, Adorama Focus Camera, in the EU at Photo Koch, Photo Earnhardt, and Wex UK. And these other two Tamron lenses are now in stock as well. The Tamron 150 to 500 FE at B&H Photo, Adorama, Photocotch DE, Park Cameras UK, and the 11 to 20 millimeter E at B&H Photo, Adorama, Photocotch DE, and Park Cameras UK. And last up from Sony Rumors for this week. Rumor, Sony A7 IV will feature a newly developed 33-megapixel sensor and five-and-a-half stops of IBIS. I finally got the Sony A7 IV specs from a solid source. I think there is a 95% chance that these are right. Launch in October, if chip supply permits this. Newly developed 33-megapixel sensor, five-and-a-half stops of IBIS plus AS. I have been told Sony glow, uh, Sony's goal with the a7 IV is to really fight back with Canon. Expect it to be more than an updated Sony a7 III. I also got some rumors from another new source, but I don't know how good that info is. I will eventually post this non-solid rumor part on Monday. Do you like the early Sony a7 IV rumored specs so far? And there's a poll that you can vote in, yes. Still too little info to judge or no. <laughs> and that's going to wrap up all the news and rumors for this week. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you are in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request 
to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, and that is going to wrap up episode 180 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners, wherever you are in the world, once again, for subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. I also want to ask you to swing by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, check it out, subscribe, watch the videos, like them, share them, comment on them, hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content drops. I also want to thank all of you that have been supporting the YouTube channel. I'm not big like others out there. I'm not Peter McKinnon or Frono's Photo or Tony and Chelsea. I'm approaching 3,000 subscribers, so not too bad considering I've only been doing the YouTube thing really hard the last six months or so. Uh, But I have been doing a lot of review videos, and I I apologize to those of you that watch my videos on my channel. If you're getting tired of those, I hope you're not. Um, I find it intriguing anytime a company reaches out to me and asks me to test a new piece of photography-related equipment, whether it's a lighting system or a microphone system, because I like to inform those of you that are out there looking for your next piece of gear to do what you need to do in your photography or videography. So if I can help with my reviews, that's fantastic. Now, full disclosure, I don't get paid for any of these reviews. I don't work that way. They send me the equipment for free. I test it out. I give an honest review. I post it to my channel. If they like it, great. If they don't like it, I can't help that. I have to be honest with you, my listeners, and my viewers. And I'm not going to blow smoke up your butts. Just being honest, I'm not going to do that. You come to me for news, rumors, information, interviews. I've been doing photography for 30 years off and on as both a pro and a hobbyist. Many moons ago, I did the children's portraits for Kmart before any stores had fixed studios. I traveled from Maine to Florida doing all the children's portraits for all the Kmart stores. I was part of a team of six, six people that did that. But it was a lot of long work, a lot of long days, lugging gear all over the place. But it was also a lot of fun and very rewarding because I, I just like little kids. I've got 11 grandkids myself, and I love it. Children are fantastic. And when you're a grandparent, you get to spoil the crap out of them and then send them back home to mommy and daddy. <laughs> all right. Uh, enough of my ranting and raving. I want to thank you all again, and I will see you again on Thursday.